Welcome to After the JAG Corps, Navigating Your Career Progression, a podcast for judge advocates leaving military service. After the JAG Corps assists officers transitioning from the military law practice by learning from individuals who have successfully embarked on new careers, providing insight on rewarding professional opportunities, job search strategies, resumes, the value of your military experience, and more. Now, here is your host, Tom Welsh. Today, we're talking to Beth Kubala, who currently serves as the executive director and teaching professor at the Veterans Legal Clinic at Syracuse University College of Law. Beth is a West Point graduate and an Army, a recovering Army JAG, I guess I should say, or more appropriately, a retired Army JAG. Beth, welcome. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me today, Tom. Well, Beth, I'm really pleased to have you on here. It's somebody that we connected, I think, just through mutual contacts. And then Mark Nevitt, our guest this past Saturday, said, hey, I'm going to introduce you to Beth. And we said we were already there. So, Beth, (laughs) tell us about your journey. Tell us about an overview of your West Point, your Army career, and how you weaved your journey to Syracuse University. Sure. So I'll give you a down and dirty version, and then uh, we can talk specifics. As you just shared, I spent my career in the Army as an Army JAG, loved every minute of it, had assignments ranging from operational assignments at Fort Hood, Texas, to uh, DC assignments, including on the Judge Advocate General of the Army staff, and a little bit of time in Guantanamo myself. I had a wonderful overseas assignment in Germany. And then what was kind of interesting in my transition out of the military was my last assignment as the military judge right up the road from Syracuse at beautiful Fort Drum, New York, served as a military trial judge for three years. And that was my last assignment before I retired. We were situated here in the Syracuse community while I was assigned to Fort Drum. So we, my husband and I had the opportunity to meet people at the university to establish and kind of grow some connections within higher education. And that was really critical in that first phase of our transition where we retired, we found ourselves located here in Syracuse, decided to stay in Syracuse. And one of those organizations that we met through Syracuse University was the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. I worked for them for five years and then made the move across campus to the Veterans Legal Clinic at the College of Law. Your decision to leave the military, was it something that you went to Fort Drum with, the idea that that would be your last duty station, or did this all kind of unfold while you were there? You don't have to have a perfect plan. (laughs) That's what I learned. I really thought being an Army JAG, I thought I was destined to go back to Washington, D.C., And there are, in fact, so many wonderful opportunities for retired or former JAGs in D.C. It's kind of where we're all comfortable, where we have connections. So staying in Syracuse was not really part of the plan. A couple things just kind of happened. We found ourselves in a home, in a community that we really embraced. We both hit over the 20-year mark and the options that were being floated to us having the option to say no thank you and we think it's time to retire and do something new it was enlightening to have that as an option so we decided to go ahead and retire i tell you what kind of 
when you think about those things that those major uh, significant um, events when you do retire, you often retire from the military, move to a completely new place and start a completely new job. I found that the more of those you can reduce that change around, the more helpful it is when you do transition. So the fact that we stayed in our current home, in our community, and focused our, our exploration for what's next here, that was helpful. That kind of reduced that stress of moving. And like many military families, we had kids who were in and getting ready to go to high school, and that factored in our decision as well. So we didn't necessarily choose Syracuse. It kind of chose us. In this instance, you, one factor was location. So you've decided location we're staying. Now talk about when you started to say, okay, what are we going to do now that we've made the decision to stay here? One of the first things I did and the advice that I give to others is reach out to your colleagues who have already made that transition. They've gone through it. They have great advice and they've kind of disconnected. They've taken off the uniform and disconnected from the military mindset. And you really have to talk to someone who has made that shift. So while we were stationed here and still in uniform, my husband was the professor of military science for Syracuse Army ROTC. We got invited to a lot of events and activities on campus and got introduced to a number of people and really learned, you know, you talk about how you might learn about a company, learn about a defense contractor, learn about what types of jobs are available. That really gave us a little bit of glimpse into what was going on at the university and what were some roles that we might be able to see ourselves in. We did the traditional things like coordinate with HR. We took time to sit down with HR representatives and fully explain who we were, what our backgrounds were, and what types of positions we thought would follow nicely based on our military experience. That's a conversation you need to have more than a couple times with an HR representative who's unfamiliar with two lieutenant colonels, one who flew helicopters and one who was a military judge. And they're saying, what on earth do you have in common with a higher education professional? So we talked to HR, we let them know who we were and that we were open and looking. And then the more important part was the personal networking. What about the confidence factor? Were you guys uh, confident that pretty much the things that you ended up doing were, were within your wheelhouse or was there a little bit of uneasiness and restlessness in going into these? I think there's always uneasiness and restlessness. It's hard to know what's on the other side when you're not there yet. So I think what was most important for me was seeing veterans, seeing former officers, you know, working in higher ed and realizing, oh, I see how they made that a shift. And I, I think I could do that too. My husband, for example, he ended up getting a federal government job with the Department of Veterans Affairs here at our local Syracuse VA Medical Center. So that was a process for him as well, but was a little more familiar as it was a USA Jobs type of, of application. But what I got introduced to at Syracuse was unique to Syracuse, but yet there are these opportunities throughout higher education at different scales. Syracuse's Institute for Veterans and Military Families is a, an organization that operates kind of like a, a little nonprofit, a veteran service serving organization within the university. It does research, it offers programs, it offers transition assistance 
So I knew a lot about, you know, that, that kind of work and the people who I met who were part of that organization were really were kind of my kind of people. And that connection was really easy to make with them to learn more about what they did. And I was able to get an idea of how I might bring value to the IVMF. So I joined the IVMF first upon retirement. And, and what all did you do at the IVMF? Give us kind of an overview of what your responsibilities were, the engagement that you had, those kinds of things. Sure. I was not serving in a legal capacity whatsoever, which is okay to do. I helped oversee a number of programs that were focused on integrating services for veterans across communities. And that's kind of big scale. But uh, what we did is we really took some ideas about how to coordinate services for veterans and tested them out, tested them out in different cities, worked with an up-and-coming technology provider, worked with established community organizations across the nation. So what was rewarding was I ran into people who I had known before through that work. I met a lot of new people doing wonderful things. And it was kind of a nice compliment between, uh, I was able to kind of use my legal analysis and problem solving and project management type of skills. And then it helped me really develop some other skills critical in the civilian world, relationship management, you know, cultivating supporters of the work that we did. All those are inherent in either the nonprofit world or even like the startup world. So all of those skills, it was really wonderful to be able to realize that I had the capability of doing those types of things, even though I had never done them in kind of the, the way that we, we did it in the military, but we did it a little bit differently. Obviously, you find that very rewarding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's a piece of the job. I realized I needed to continue to do something that made a positive impact on others. And of course, to make a positive impact on veterans is wonderful, but there's other ways to make positive impacts as well. I simultaneously was looking at another job and it kind of really frightened me because I didn't really feel that that other opportunity was going to bring very much personal satisfaction and a good feeling at the end of the day that I was really doing something to make people's lives better. And have you seen a, a growth in the these type of institutions or nonprofits, if you will, during your time across the country, or did you have much interaction or visibility on them? I got to meet so many amazing nonprofits. And I think we all know of some of them off the top of our heads. You know, there's, there's the Wounded Warrior Projects, the Bob Woodruff Foundations, the Blue Star Families. What was really insightful was early on, I went to a conference in Washington, D.C., that they asked me to attend because it was a conference on coordinating legal services for veterans. I walked into that conference without a lot of prior knowledge of who was gonna be there or what really the purpose of that was. And I instantly found myself in a room full of people, many of whom I knew hmm. and the others who really became kind of those first relationships across the veteran nonprofits arena. And that was just kind of, that was great because it kind of marked the beginning of, oh, I do fit in. 
My skills are valued. My insights are helpful as we work to solve a variety of problems and issues around the types of legal services that veterans find themselves in need of. Now, this is more of a fishing question only because I have some knowledge, but is the IVMF the same institution that offers online training, for example, to departing military personnel? I know there's some programs that they can sign up within the last, I've looked at them within the last six months of active duty. Is that your shop or was that something else at Syracuse? That was my other colleague kind of ran that piece of the operation, but I'm intimately familiar. That's our Onward to Opportunity program. And absolutely, that's the that's a free host of a variety of civilian certifications that transitioning service members and military spouses can take advantage of. And right there, that's an example of providing veterans the resources to secure a civilian-specific credential to add to your military resume. Just another, another way to help kind of set yourself up with a resume that reflects the type of training and the type of value that you might bring to a civilian organization. Some people at home may be saying, what's the timeline here? So just to bring them into the uh, time hack here. So you graduated West Point in 1993, right? And then you did almost 22 years in the Army. And then you were at IVMF from January of 2015 to November of 2019. So after almost five years, you showed that again, like a military member, you're restless and you can't keep a job down. You've moved on on to another job. And what are you doing now? So the value of getting into an organization that you enjoy is you then realize what other opportunities might come up. The Veterans Legal Clinic at Syracuse was established in 2015, the same year that I started with the IVMF. So of course I knew about that. I was watching it. I was in communications with the director of the clinic at the time and knew that that was a great new, you know, one of the many programs that were just exploding across campus in Syracuse's efforts to be the best place for veterans and military and their family members. So I attended events that the clinic held. I, you know, I taught a class once in a while on things like military justice and administrative separations. So when I learned that position was going to be open, there's nothing that compares to being at the right place at the right time. So I was able to p- pursue that opportunity and it fell into place. And part of your portfolio here as I'm reading it is you you do some teaching and you also supervise student attorneys representing veterans. And what kind of what kind of representation does that entail? Oh, that's the best part of the class. So the class has uh, the vet, our veterans legal clinic class consists of classroom time, learning about the VA disability process, learning about discharge upgrades, learning how that integrates with administrative hearings and with the federal courts. And the students, while they're in the class, they're also assigned a handful of veteran clients from our community. So you might have class in the morning and a meeting with one of our clients in the conference room that afternoon. The students get to recommend, you know, the students really focus on connecting our community's veterans with the resources they've earned. In many cases, it's with disability compensation 
access to veteran health care at our local VA, which is right down the street, or it might entail helping them change their military discharge to also enable them to access medical care and benefits. And these students don't necessarily come from a military background or have family serving in the military, do they? They do not have to. All they need is a passion to serve others. My point is, is this is an opportunity to connect the less than 1% with part of the greater 99% that they say never have any interaction with the military. Absolutely. We're training the next generation of veteran advocates. And in doing so, we're shining a light on what it means to serve having a whole crop of law school students understand more about military service, be able to speak to that. And what's very rewarding is many of, many of these students then pursue careers at places like the Department of Veterans Affairs at their Office of General Counsel, or with a many, there's many well-respected private firms now that handle veterans law. And some of them even, there's opportunities to clerk for federal judges at places like the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. So trick question, what is the best part about your job? If you had to name one thing, what would it be? I can't. It's interacting both with the students and the veterans. And I can't choose favorites. You know, the the job is focused on both of those populations. And if I said, oh, the students are great, but yeah, and yeah, we serve veterans too, or serving the veterans is great. And yeah, we do it with students. I, it's like your kids. I, I can't choose favorites. They're, they're, both, they're both the best part of the job. Seeing a veteran get service connected, putting dollars in their pockets, if they're otherwise limited in their financial resources, giving them access to healthcare, enabling them to utilize our VA medical center in lieu of civilian health care, that's life-changing. It is life-changing. And it also positively impacts our, our community. And then we just had graduation last Friday. So seeing those students walk across the stage, and listen, many of them, like I said, are they, they do find a calling in continuing to serve veterans as part of their profession. Many of my students also are unsurprisingly pursuing a opportunity to serve in the JAG Corps and others will go on to other work, but they will always have the training to be able to serve veterans, maybe in their pro bono capacity. People that are are getting out of the military think, hey, that's something that I may want to do. What advice would you have for them in pursuing something like this? Got it. Often there are benefits that go beyond your paycheck. For example, I did not realize many of the benefits of being in higher education. My children can take classes at Syracuse University and I get a tuition dependent benefit for that. Syracuse is partners with a number of other schools in a tuition exchange program. So think about someone who's separating from service or retiring. If you happen to have GI Bill benefits, that's tremendous. But then whether you do or not, to be affiliated with an educational institution that might help pay for some college courses, that's wonderful. And then there's always some other benefits as well. Part of another reason why I really like Syracuse and higher ed 
I'm a little bit of a sports junkie. (laughs) (laughs) I tell people, you know, Washington, D.C., New York City, there are places to find jobs that might pay pretty well, but do you have the ability to buy a ticket and be at a top ACC basketball game? Can you drive 15 minutes for a really nice college football game in the fall? So it's those little pieces of being in higher education that really round out for me the attractiveness of the job. Beth, you're now experienced, you're, you're experienced in the prog- tra- career progression role, a career progression journey. What advice do you have people coming after you? My advice is to really reach out, learn about what others are doing, learn who's happy with what they're doing, and learn how they got there. I have spoken with so many former judge advocates who all took probably what you would call an unconventional route to where they ultimately found themselves really enjoying their work and what they do. And even in the military, you know, we all took those routes that involved legal assistance, prosecutor, trial defense, Pentagon job, joint job. Sometimes those unusual taskers that nobody else wanted that you jumped on present you with a larger, you know, kind of open your aperture to what's out there and what the, uh, what the opportunities are. So, you know, my advice is not do this and then do that and then do this type of job. My advice would really be, you've got to talk to others and, and learn what they're doing. And I give that same advice to law school students. You might not know exactly what type of law you wanna do. Find an organization that appeals to you. Find a mentor whose career path you admire and learn from them how how they got there and what they did. Well, Beth, I did not ask you to shamelessly plug this podcast, but you just have seemed to do that, which is the whole intention of this podcast is to hear about people's journeys. And people have heard me say this before because we don't know what's out there. And left to our own devices, I think we keep pushing off these informational interviews, thinking that there's a a, a period where we're going to get enlightenment that says, okay, now's the time in this period that I conduct the informational interview this close out to retirement and this formula will equal a job. And I know as I sit here talking to you, I'm not 100% clear what I want to do, but I have to say that the education that I'm getting from people like you people who are willing to come on here and talk about those unconventional journeys or even conventional journeys are really enlightening. And I think are inspiring to those of us that are still wearing the uniform and will be taking it off in the near future. So thank you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure talking with you today, Tom. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the Jag Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production. 